0: Let's bow our heads in prayer together. Our Father what a beautiful time you have given to us Lord to spend time in your presence. We thank you Lord that you are a God who speaks who is not silent. We thank you for giving us your written word so that we can walk in the way that you have called us to. We thank you Holy Spirit of God that one who wrote the word is present here with us this morning to explain your word to us. And as we sit at your feet, our hearts cry to you, Lord, speak, Lord, for we are listening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This morning I have entitled my message as, What are you looking for? What are you looking for? And the passage of scripture that we are looking at is in John chapter 1. John chapter 1, verse 35 onwards. Let me read that for you first. John chapter 1, verse 35. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and spent that day with him. It was about the tenth hour. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. What are you looking for? John Kelly, a writer, makes this astute observation. He says, In the 21st century, knowing all the answers won't distinguish someone's intelligence. Knowing all the answers won't distinguish how smart a guy is. Rather, the ability to ask all the right questions will be the mark of true genius. The ability to ask the right questions. Oftentimes in our system of learning, we have the rote learning. Don't ask questions, you just mug it up and just vomit it out at the exam. Now, those guys, they may get good grades, but finally, when it comes to real job, you know, they're not really able to handle issues you know, because they have knowledge, but they're not asked questions and come to conclusions. So asking questions is very, very important for growth. And even as children, as parents, encourage your children to ask questions. Don't put them down and say, don't ask stupid questions. no. It is through the questions that their minds are beginning to open up and verify and learn more and come to conclusions. Jesus encouraged people to ask questions and Jesus also himself asked a lot of questions. Do you know somebody has actually done the calculation of how many questions Jesus asked and they came up with the figure 307 to be exact. Obviously they have done the calculation because when you say 307. 307 questions Jesus asked during a short time of three and a half years. Okay. Now words are important. Remember Jesus and uh, the Lord created the earth? How? He spoke and it came into being. First words of Jesus recorded in Scripture. If you have your you know, red letter editions, <coughs> you'll have the words of Jesus in red. So if you open to the book of another you know, gospel of John, this is the first red letter word over there. So he starts his ministry or starts his speaking by asking a question. Okay. Now, and the question that he also asks is, what are you looking for? Now, think for a moment. As you walked into this church this morning, Jesus was standing at the door, okay? Maybe he rang the bell or you opened the door and as soon as he come in, Jesus asks you the question, what are you looking for? What will your answer be? Oh, I came for the service. You know? I came to meet my friend. I came for the food sale afterwards. You know? I come for a good relaxing time. Whatever. Think for a moment. That's the type of question Jesus is asking these disciples. And that's the question we must ask ourselves. Every time we come into God's presence, God asks us this question, Why are you here? You could have been somewhere else. For what purpose are you here? What are you looking for? Now, when we think about that word question, part of that word question has the word quest in it, isn't it? So when we ask questions, it opens up ourselves to the quest that we have to know about ourselves, to know about God, to know about our relationship with him. It's a quest in our journey of faith. So Jesus encourages us to ask questions. Jesus asks us questions so that it will reveal to us who we really are. Sometimes it may be a great encouragement to say, oh, I really didn't know this about myself. Sometimes it's also risky. Risky. To ask those questions because it can reveal to you a dark side which you never really thought existed. When you allow the searchlight of God to shine into our hearts and say, like the psalmist, search me, O God, what will happen? God will search you, open up things, you know, that you didn't know exist. It's a risky position, but in those asking of those questions is the solution for growth in our lives. So in case you've never asked questions about your Christian faith, maybe you started out on your journey with a lot of questions. Maybe you found answers. And as you went along, you had more questions coming up in your minds. Maybe doubts, you know, but you just pushed it all under the carpet and you have become a status quo Christian. You are a Christian, you say. You come to church, you read the Bible, but your faith is not vibrant. Why is it not vibrant? Because you have not allowed God to take you on the journey, on the quest of real meaning and purpose in life. So when Jesus is asking this question to his disciples, what are you really looking for? He's really asking a much deeper question than just a, a surface level question. If you go to a supermarket, I'm sure some assistant will come to you and ask you this question, isn't it? Sir, what are you looking for? Right? Now, why do they ask that question and how would you answer it? Are they asking some deep philosophical questions to find out why you are really here? No, they are asking for information. Are you looking for this particular product? Now, when Jesus is asking, what are you looking for? He is not really asking a surface information question. He is asking a very probing question. If you notice, Jesus does not start off with small talk. He does not talk about the weather. He does not talk about how are you keeping. No, he gets straight to the point. And the point of the matter is, why are you here? The point of the matter is, what are you looking for? What are you living for? And when we are willing to answer the straightforward questions, sometimes we don't like people asking us such questions, isn't it? It's okay to talk about general matter, But when they start pointing out specifics, we don't like it. But answering those questions is what enables us to grow. That is why you need to have people in your life who would ask questions into you. Because by asking those questions, they are putting issues for you to think about. Okay, So that's just the broad introduction to what we are thinking of of this afternoon. Now, what's the context of this particular passage? If you notice, the scripture teaches us on the first day, John started his work and he saw Jesus and he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And he explains to the people, Here's the one who's going to come after me. He's the one who is going to baptize you with water and fire. And Jesus comes along and also is baptized. And then the next day, John says the same thing but he says, Behold the Lamb of God. And when John points out, Behold the Lamb of God, these two disciples, who are actually disciples of John, now decide to leave John and to follow after Jesus. That's the context of this particular section. They didn't follow after the first time when John said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. At that time, They didn't leave to follow Jesus. It took the second time. Now I'm sure looking back into your life, there have been times when God has spoken. Maybe the first time you didn't respond. Maybe the second time you didn't respond. Or maybe you did. Or maybe after a lot of speaking, you finally responded. But that is only the starting point. That is only the starting point. They left John and began to follow after Jesus. Now Jesus wants us to stop at being a follower and move into being a disciple and a disciple maker. That is God's purpose. God's purpose is not somehow that we will have Jesus as the leader and we are following after him and hopefully one day we will get into heaven because he goes to heaven ahead of us. Now that's not the intention. The intention is that our lives would be transformed So here Jesus was going to take these two disciples who were followers. He makes them his disciples. And once he has made them his disciple, they themselves go out to make disciples. That is the end result. Now if you are not a disciple maker, the question would be, are you a disciple? And if you are not a disciple, you may just be a follower. So, this passage helps us to understand where God wants us to be. What are you looking for? This is my purpose is that your purpose too, and it takes us from where we are to where we he wants us to be. So that is why Jesus asked this question. John chapter 1 verse 38 says, "Then Jesus turned. When did he turn?" When he saw these two disciples who had left John the Baptist and now were following, then Jesus turned and saw them following and asked them this question, What are you looking for? Look at the posture of Jesus. He is there. He is walking. And he knows these two disciples have left John the Baptist and are now following after him. He's sensing them following after him. And when he senses that they are behind him, following after him, Jesus turns. When did he turn? Only after he sensed that they were falling. Now that's the heart of Jesus. When he senses in our hearts a desire for the Lord, he says, Okay, you started that process of following. You understood in a little way possible Who I am. Maybe you still have questions. Look back into your life when you first responded to Christ. Do you know everything about Jesus at that point of time? We don't know everything about Jesus even now. But hopefully what we know now is more than what we knew when we first became a believer. But that's starting of the journey. Now as soon as we have started that journey, Jesus turns and looked at them. That is the heart of Jesus, isn't it? As soon as he sees in our hearts a desire to seek after him. Remember, it is he who starts the work, and when he puts that desire into our hearts and we begin that journey, Jesus says, hey, now, they have started it off, you know, I need to take them further. That's the heart of God. Ask yourself, has Jesus turned? When I say, has Jesus turned, you know, It would be, how closely are you interacting with the Lord in your daily walk? He can sense how closely you are. It is only if you have that desire, then he turns and then he gives instructions. If you're doing something out of routine, out of a duty, your heart is not really in it, he is not going to turn. It is when your heart is turned towards him, then he begins to turn himself to you and then gives instruction. So look at the purpose of asking this question. Jesus is not asking for any information. Jesus did not ask them who they were seeking for, but he was asking them what they were looking for. Remember, what a person wants affects what they are willing to believe. What a person wants affects what they are willing to believe. In other words, when you express yourself, Lord, this is what I'm looking for, that shows what you're really believing in your heart of hearts who Jesus is. A lot of people are following after Jesus for what they can get out of him. They treat God as a genie. I ask this, rub this, pray this, do this, this answer has to come. They're there only for asking. Now, Jesus is saying, hey, if that is what you are treating me as, then your understanding of me is not that I'm God eternal, but I'm just a slave at your bid and command. We need to be careful. We don't treat God like that. Our prayer is not give me, give me, give me. A prayer has to treat God as the one who he is, the sovereign one. And they say, Lord, let your will be done. What is your will is best for me, not my will is best. So I command you to do this for me. Ask yourself your prayer life. Are you commanding God and saying, hey, I want this, I need this, you know. And there are some people who go to the extent of saying, I asked God, he did not give it to me. So I stopped following God. What does that tell us about who you really believe in? You're not believing in Jesus. You're just believing in maybe a miracle worker. You did this, you did not do this. Now that is not what it is. That's why Jesus asked them this question, What are you looking for? What are you looking for? A lot of people go through life searching. A lot of people search in all the wrong places. As they often have that phrase, searching for love in all the wrong places. Searching for relationships in all the wrong places. Searching for meaning and purpose in life in all the wrong places. But the right place is in the Lord himself, isn't it? So what are you really searching for? What are you searching for that satisfaction? If it is not found in Jesus, you will definitely try to find it in other things that the world has to offer. Often I tell young people this illustration of, you know, if you went to someone's house and they gave you, you know, they prepared a nice meal for you and uh, you had a full meal. And suddenly at the end of the meal they realized, hey, we didn't bring this dish out. We forgot to give it out to you. And that that was the best one that you really liked. If you are full, what would you say? Not now, you know, maybe later. If you are not happy with that meal, you know, and you appear to the guests, say, after all, they are oh, no, no, full. When this ha- comes along your way, you say, Give me. When you are satisfied, even though something is offered to you on a silver platter, you say, No, thank you, I am full. So if you are satisfied with the Lord, whatever the world offers you, you will say, No. But if you are not satisfied with God, the world will definitely offer you so many things for your satisfaction and you will run after that. That is why Jesus asked this question, what are you really searching for? What are you really searching for? Now, how do the disciples respond to this question? Were they blunt? Jesus was blunt and says, what are you searching for? Did they respond very clearly? No, they didn't know what to answer. So what do they answer? With a counter question. Where do you live? Have you done that? With someone who is asking you questions, you don't want them to have your yeah, answers. So you ask a counter question. To throw them off maybe, or sort of to put them in a spot so that you don't have to answer the question. Now that's what the disciples seem to be doing. Maybe not necessarily both, but they seem to be doing, doing this. Where do you live? Where do you live? John one thirty eight says, "As when Jesus turned and saw them following, and he says to them, What are you looking for? And they said to him, Rabbi, which is to say being interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? Where do you stay? Maybe they were looking for an adventure. Maybe they were looking for new experiences. Maybe they got a little tired of John the Baptist, and they said, A new preacher has come our way. There are some people who do that, isn't it? New places, new experiences, and they thought maybe following this, maybe it will give satisfaction to me. Maybe they were looking for meaning and purpose in their aimless lives. Maybe they were looking for identity, for meaning, for healing maybe. But when Jesus asked them this question, what are you looking for? They were not really able to pinpoint specifically. And they say, Where do you live? Now, the reason for asking this question, where do you live, is also a little more interesting. Where the disciples were really saying, We want to spend time with you. They were not asking him for his address so that they could visit him sometime later. They wanted to spend time with him. That's the positive part of it. So when Jesus asks us, What do you seek in life? Is it attention? Is it fulfillment? Is it love? Is it recognition? Is it safety? Is it relationships? Is it money, a job, a fame? What are you really seeking for? Or are you really seeking Jesus? Because in finding Jesus, you find acceptance. You find fulfillment. You find love. You find safety. You find security. You find forgiveness. Knowing Jesus helps us. To find out that which our hearts are created for. Unless we find Jesus, we will still be searching in all the wrong places. So, when they respond and say, Rabbi, where do you live? Look at the respect they showed for Jesus. The word Rabbi basically speaks about a master, teacher, guru. So what they were really saying is, so far John the Baptist has been our guru... Now we are changing allegiance and now wanting you to be our guru. We want you to be our teacher. We want to learn from you. They acknowledged that Jesus was indeed a rabbi. John the Baptist had called Jesus the Lamb of God. Now they were willing to acknowledge him as definitely a greater person from whom they can definitely learn. When they ask Jesus this question, where do you live? That is the connection. They are asking him to be their rabbi, their master. They want to be his disciple. The guru-shishya relationship where the, uh, the shishya, the disciple, sits with the master and exposes himself to the teachings of the master, so that they can learn and imbibe from the master's lifestyle and teaching. That is what they were asking when they were saying, where do you live? Is that your heart's desire when you come here for the service, or when you open God's word? Is your heart's desire to a Lord, you are my master. This book that you have given to me is your guidebook which I want to live by, the principles. And I want to sit at your feet and learn from it. Now, when the disciples ask this question, where do you live? The Greek word that is used there for live is the word meno. And it could mean three options. It could mean where are you staying or where do you remain okay? or where do you live? And if you notice John in this first uh, uh, chapter itself, he uses this word, "meno" a couple of times. When he speaks about the Spirit of God remaining on Jesus, "meno" When the disciples went and remained with Jesus, "meno." So it's a question of the word that is used there is speaking about an ongoing relationship We just don't want to just make a casual visit to your home. What we really want to know is to spend time with you. That is their heart's desire. When you come to church, do you look at your watch to find out when the service will be over? Because you just want to take it off? Or is your heart's desire, Lord, I want to know more. I want to sit at your feet. I want to learn from you. When you open the word every day to read, is it... Clockwise in terms of, okay, I have only so much time, so I'll read only so much. Or is your heart's desire wanting to know what God wants to share with you? That is the heart of God when he asks us this question. What are you really looking for? What are you looking for when you're reading the Bible? What are you looking for when you come to church every Sunday? What are you really looking for? So when the disciples asked, where do you live? They are really saying, we want to abide with you. We want to stay with you. Remember, Jesus spoke about abiding. Jesus spoke about dwelling. That's the type of relationship that God wants us to have with uh, us. Oftentimes, we don't stop and ask questions. We rush through life, meeting the day's needs, dealing with a thousand things that we have in our mind that is constantly to be answered. But, person who has never stopped to take notice, stopped to take, ask questions, will find at the end of his life, it was just a routine that went through. At the end of his life, he will say, what did I really achieve? I hope at the end of every day, you ask yourself, Lord, did I do that which you have created me for this day? When he started the day, did you thank God for the day that he has given to you? Or did you say, you know, this is the day that I have for all these agendas that I've already planned out? Or did you start with the consciousness? This is the day that the Lord has made. He has given this life to me. I could have just gone to sleep and not got up the next morning. I could have died in my sleep. But God, you gave me life for a purpose. So if you gave me life for a purpose, I need to do that which you have created me for. That for which this day has been given to me. And at the end of this day, we must ask ourselves, Lord, did we do that which you created this day for? Otherwise, day in and day out, month in and month out, year in and year out, there's plenty of things that you can be involved in. But at the end of the day, you'll say, what did I do? What did I do? And when death comes knocking at your door, there should be no regrets, isn't it? Anytime when God calls us home, we should be able to say, that which you called me to do, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race. You don't have to say, Lord, I have planned out for five years. If you come after five years, I know I have finished the race. No. Today, are you living in that consciousness of doing that which God has called you to do so that today if God calls you home, you can say, I'm ready. That is what it means when it says, Lord, I want to dwell in you, I want to spend time with you. Now, when Jesus sees the heart of these people who are following, when Jesus sees the heart of these people who want to spend time with him, what is Jesus' response? What was his invitation? He said, come and see. Come and see. He's looking for our hearts, isn't it? If he's only seeing that external of saying, I'm following, I'm doing the routine, I'm doing the duty, I hope Jesus is happy with me, I know I made a commitment so I will go to heaven one day. If that is what Jesus is seeing in us, then he's not going to give the invitation of come and see. Now it's an interesting thing that Jesus says. He did not say, you do these, these, these things, then you will know who I am or then you'll have the meaning and purpose in living. What does he say? He says, come and see. The invitation comes from Jesus. Oftentimes when you speak about our commitment to Jesus, we speak about, I made a commitment. I responded to Christ. I received Jesus into my life. But it is not that way. Jesus is asking us to start the journey with him. He is the one who is inviting us into that relationship to enjoy his presence and to be so united with him as he prays in the high priestly prayer that we would be one even as he is one. That's the type of intimacy that Jesus is inviting us into. The disciples who are wanting to remain, wanting to abide, wanting to come into that intimacy of spending time with Jesus... Jesus sees their heart and says, Yes, I'm giving you this invitation. Come and seek. The word that is used there for come is speaking about a word that would also mean accompaniment. Because in Acts chapter 11 and verse 12, it is used in that context of accompany. In other words, what Jesus is saying, he's not giving us instructions and says, Do this and you'll find life. Jesus is saying, Come alongside of me. Accompany me. I am going, you come alongside. That's what Jesus meant when he said, isn't it? Come unto me, all ye who are labor and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. It is like when an oxen is being trained, a younger one and a senior one. Okay. Now, if it is in a uh, lopsided balance, what will happen? The older one takes the load. The younger one is still learning. And that's what Jesus is saying. Take my yoke. I'm willing to come alongside with you. It's going to be difficult, but I'm going to be there with you. I'm going to accompany you on this journey. I'm not leaving it to you and saying, okay, you made a commitment, to see you on the other side. No, he's saying I'm going to accompany you. Come, an invitation that Jesus gives to us. The tone of this verb is a word that speaks about urgency. There are a couple of translations which explains this further. Alexander McLaren says, come now. It's the urgency of the time. Kenneth West explains this as, be coming and you would see. In other words, it is not a one-time event. It is not when you want to, you come. It's an urgency where the invitation comes. What are you looking for? You want to spend time with me? Come. Don't put it off. Come immediately. And then I will accompany you on that journey. The journey of life. The quest of life. Jesus is not saying, this is the way, walk in it. Jesus is saying, I am the way. I will come alongside of you. The question would be, are you at home with Jesus? To walk alongside with him? To allow him to come into your life and take control? Or will there be areas in your life that you would not feel that Jesus will be at home with you? Things that you want to cover up. The Lord says, if I'm going to accompany you, then there's going to be a transparency. And that is how growth comes in. And even this morning, that's the invitation of Jesus. Maybe you recognize even right now that yes, you have been following after Jesus. Maybe for a very long time. But this intimacy that Jesus is offering is not really there. But Jesus this morning is saying, come, immediate, urgency. And he's saying, I'm going to accompany you. Take my yoke. I'm going to take the load. So that as you're in the learning process, the load becomes lighter and easier for you. How long did the disciples spend with Jesus? The whole day. Till four o'clock. Four o'clock in the evening was like sundown for them and things were going to shut down. So, at the end of the day, they spent time with him. And the scripture speaks about this word where they spent with him. They abode with him. The word actually means they were by his side. They were beside him. Or they had a face-to-face chat, face-to-face encounter. They spent time in a sort of concrete time, prime time, valuable time, learning from Jesus Jesus said, I'm going to accompany you. Jesus also said, as a result of that, they were able to see. There was a new awareness in their lives. Before, John the Baptist said what? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. They spent time with Jesus a whole day. And at the end of the day, what is their conclusion? This is the Messiah. And they went. And told their relatives as well. So, what is the thought that is wrapped up in this word? When they spent time with Jesus, they came and they saw where he was staying. The word that is used there for saw basically means they were aware, they understood. Things became much more clearer. It's like the scales fell off their eyes. They came and they saw. If they did not come, from, to God's in response to God's invitation, what would have happened? They would not have seen. There were other disciples of John. They were following John. There were other disciples of Jesus also who were following, right? Plenty of people followed. And when Jesus stopped giving them their daily you know, free bread, breakfast and lunch, they stopped following him. And Jesus begins to ask them, Would you also leave me? He asked the disciples. Right? Why are you following Jesus? If you're following Jesus for all the wrong reasons, for all the, what he can give to you, and he stops giving you that, then you stop following Jesus. Right? I read a couple of years back this statement, if it was proved that heaven did not exist, a lot of Christians will drop out. Think for a moment. If it was proved, I'm not saying in heaven is not that, but if it was proved, would you stop following Jesus? Are you following Jesus only so that you can get to heaven? Is that your purpose? If that's your purpose, then as soon as you respond, you should die. Because then you go to heaven, right? But Jesus has not kept that as the purpose. Yes, there is a byproduct. Because Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you so that where I am, you may be also. But the purpose for Jesus to come into our lives is what? What? so that our lives can be transformed into his likeness and image, so that we will be image bearers, so that we will be his disciples, so that we will be his disciple makers here in this dark world. That is the purpose, that is the seeing that God wants us to experience. So the thought that is wrapped up in this word see is, unless you come, then only you will see. But there's also a transparency. When we come before the Lord, he opens not only his word, not only himself to us, but he also opens ourselves to us. Oftentimes we want to keep a lot of things hidden. Now, not everybody knows everything about us, right? And sometimes we also want to keep those things which we know about ourselves also hidden because we don't want to expose it. And the more it gets hidden and pressed down inside, life becomes complicated. But the Lord says, once I open these things up to you, then you can come before him. Search me, O God. See if there's any wicked way in me. Cleanse me. And then the relationship becomes new. So as we come and see, as we come and learn, as we come and know, then we begin to experience something new. Jesus was calling these two disciples to join him on a journey of faith. On a journey of faith. Remember, you won't have all the answers, but you'll have more questions. But as he asks more questions, more answers will come in, and your faith becomes stronger. Remember, you cannot ask any question which will throw off Christianity. Some people think they are very smart, you know. I've got this intellectual question, you know. As a result, nobody can give me answers. So I'm not following Jesus. No no questions can be asked because Christianity is true. As you ask questions, you find answers. How many people have gone ahead to try and disprove the resurrection, you know. And finally, they came up to the conclusion that Jesus did rise again. And they've come up with books about it. Lee Strobel and, you know, uh, Another guy by the name of Morrison who wrote the book, Who Moved the Stone. Individuals who went out to disprove the resurrection, but they confirmed it is true. Ask questions. Thomas, did God say, don't ask me questions? I'm here, why are you asking those questions? No. Jesus said, go ahead, put. The Bible doesn't say that he actually put it, you know. But the fact that Jesus encouraged him to put his finger into his finger hole. He realized, hey, this is true. Okay. Jesus is never going to put you down for asking questions. But be open to find the answer. Sit with him beside him. It may take a long time. Don't say to the Lord, I don't have time. Allow him to give you those answers. Now, you have responded to the invitation. Come and see. You have come and seen who Jesus is. He has now taken you on a new journey. They are following John the Baptist, now they are following Jesus. What happens when we accept the invitation? When we spend time with Jesus, our lives will never be the same. When you spend time with Jesus, our lives will never be the same. Come and see will be turned into go and tell. When Andrew saw who Jesus was, the scripture tells us he first found his brother. Now remember, both these guys were poles apart in their temperaments, isn't it? Andrew seems to be the quieter guy. Peter seems to have been the bossy guy. Do you think it would have taken a lot of courage for Andrew to go and tell Peter? Look here, we have found him. He would have got ridiculed, he would have faced, you know, who do you think you are telling me about this? But that didn't stop Andrew. Why? Because he was sure of what he believed He had come to the conclusions. He had no doubts about it. He came, he saw, then he went and told. He went and told. This is the key in our progress in our walk with God. Follower, disciple, then a disciple maker. So if you have said, even as he came to church this morning, I'm a believer, I'm a follower after Jesus, But if you are not making disciples, which was the last words of Jesus, first word is important, what are you looking for? Last word, go and make disciples, right? So if you are not in that journey with the Lord to go and make disciples, what does that tell us? We are not really a disciple, because only a disciple can make a disciple be a disciple maker. So if you are not making disciples, the question is are you a disciple? If you say, no, no, I'm just a follower, there's no being a follower, right? (laughs) Jesus is not calling people to be followers. Jesus is calling people to be disciples. Jesus did not say, go into all the world and make followers. He did not say, go into all the world and make converts either. He says, go into all the world and make disciples. So if you're not a disciple, only a follower, would you respond to the voice of the Lord this morning? Where he says, come. Come, I will accompany you on that journey. You have questions, no problem. Come on that journey together. And then you'll have the awareness of who Jesus really is. And like the blind man, you may not be able to answer all the questions that people ask you, but you'll be able to say one thing. What is that thing? Once I was blind, but now I see. Is your eyes opened to who Jesus is? Not the physical, but the spiritual eyes. Do you know whom you are following? Would you be able to say with Job this morning, even if he doesn't give me anything in this world, even if I have to die for my faith, I will still not stop following after him. Why? In the words of the disciples, because you have the words of eternal life. Is that the reason for which you are following Jesus? Let me close with this statement that is there in your notes. Our spiritual growth doesn't come from knowing the answers, but rather our growth comes from asking questions and living the answers to those questions. Remember, growth does not come with head knowledge. You may know all the books of the Bible, you may know all the parables, you may know all the teachings, but spiritual growth does not come with that. You only have your head going bigger and bigger. Amy Grant had a song a couple of years back called Fat Babies. Yes, you are a Christian, but you're fat, you are know? fat. Unless your fat is sort of a you know, exercise to become muscle, it remains fat. Fat is useless. Okay? Let me encourage you this morning not to remain fat. You know? You know, but let me encourage you to build up muscles in the spiritual life. How do you do that? Ask questions. Jesus is asking questions this morning. Are you willing to answer it honestly? And as you ask questions, the Lord takes you on that journey. Let the Lord encourage you this morning as you continue to walk with him. Okay? And maybe also like the first disciples, come and see the place where he eternally remains. That's a question that, where do you stay? And as we see him high and lifted up, as we come into his presence, and then we will be able to experience him in a fresh and living way so that we can go out and tell this world who are searching for answers in all the wrong places that we'll be able to give them the answer that is found only in Christ. Let's bow heads in prayer together. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word to us this morning, for the fact that you have given us that invitation even this morning, Lord, come take the journey with you. You're not asking us just to start a journey, but you're saying even this morning, I'm there with you. I'm going to accompany you. You have questions, no problem. Let's sit together and talk. You are willing to talk with us, Lord. You're looking at our heart this morning, whether our hearts are really turned to you. What's our really desire for following after you? Are we looking at what is it? What is it in it? What what is there in it for me? Or am I looking at, Lord, what's your heart for me? Father, as, we, as you ask searching questions, help us, Lord, to honestly answer it. Help us, Lord, to honestly ask questions ourselves. In our question, let us search our identity. In our questions, let us go on in our quest, in our journey of faith. Let us never become stagnant, Let us not be just followers in a routine manner. But Father, we pray that you would take us into your very heart. That we would see you in all your glory. See you in all your fullness. See you in all the plans and purposes that you have for our lives. And that we will walk and enjoy your presence. And as we continue to walk, this is what eternal life is all about. This is what discipleship is all about. And as we continue that journey, that it will continue on in this life and also in the life to come. So that when you call us home, it is not with regrets, it is not being taken unawares, but we will know it's a continuation. And we're looking forward for that journey with you. To see you face to face, and say thanks to you, Lord, for being with us. Thank you for accompanying us. Thank you for not leaving us alone. Thank you for asking all those questions which made our faith much more meaningful. Father, we pray that even this coming week, as you continue to study your word, as you ask us questions, that we will also be willing to say, search us, Lord, search us. It is going to be a risky thing to say, ask you for that, but we want to, because our heart is that we would draw close to you. Be with us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.